0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Four Sigma. Rethink mushrooms and check out foursigma.com today.
0: I'm Aaron Fairbanks, host of The Farm Report. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn.
2: and welcome to the Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Casey Elsas of now uh, Bushwick Kitchen. What is that? N-E-E with that apostrophe. Nay. Um, yeah. Which means like priorly. Yeah, used to be. Known yeah, as. mixed made. Yep. Um, and you're here today kind of at the perfect time to talk about this uh, subject, which is maple syrup. Because yep. I thought yesterday with that 56 degree weather... We were actually leading into spring. And that is when the maples start converting starches into sugars and it starts going up the xylem and you can tap that sap Mm -hmm. and get just the most beautiful, beautiful stuff.
1: Yeah.
3: It's actually even trickier than that because you need a day or an evening where it's below freezing. Yeah. And then a day where it's about 40 degrees. Yeah. So you need one of those nights where it's down in the 20s and then a day where it's in the 40s. And those are the only days you're going to get maple syrup. Yeah. So it's always kind of this last minute. I was supposed to go up um, maybe about two or three weeks ago and had booked the car, had gathered up some friends that were excited to come up with me. And then at uh, 1 a.m. I got an email from my maple syrup supplier saying, oh, no, the weather forecast is it's going to be below freezing tomorrow. It's all off. Yeah. So it's just one of those tricky up to the moment. You don't know if it's going to flow. And then when it flows, you got to produce it really quick. It's
2: just so wonderful how temporal it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was funny because you you go up to the Caskel, to a wonderful little town, Gramsville, which That's I know. Right. Yep. Um, it's such a regional thing because it only really exists in New York, uh, Vermont, New England. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canada is the largest producer, I think. Yeah,
3: but even there, it's mostly Quebec. Yeah. A little bit Ontario. And in the U.S., it does stretch a little bit into Michigan and Minnesota and yeah. Pennsylvania. But you can kind of see that line of the region of the world. Really, that's the only place yeah. in the world where it's produced. And it's all just kind of in this one little space.
2: But it's ubiquitous. I mean, it is a breakfast uh, condiment. mm mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if you want to call syrup a condiment. Maybe you have a <laughs> different terminology for that. But it is an ex- expectation to have on that table when you have pancakes, when you have French toast.
3: Yeah. Internationally now. Or something flavored like yeah. it, if not necessarily. Do,
2: do we syrup. want to talk about those non-real maple syrups? I would prefer not to. What is it? Log? and Mrs. Mrs.? Yeah. You know, those, those Worthless. are...
3: Worthless. What are those? Corn syrup. And flavoring. Yeah. They're disgusting. Yeah. They don't taste anything like maple syrup. Yeah. It's the idea of maple syrup.
2: I wish you could see the scowl that you have on your face <laughs> as, as a maple syrup maker, how angry. I'm very,
3: and I'm a, I'm a New Hampshire born and raised boy. Yeah. I'm very protective of my maple syrup.
2: Were, did you ever tap trees as a youth? I mean, were there those days you waited with your family looking at that weather report?
3: No, I grew up in a It feels weird to call it a city, but it is technically a city called Nashua, right on the border of Massachusetts. Um, But right outside of Nashua were farms, as far as you could see. And the best day every year was when we would take the field trip to Parker's Maple Barn. And we would all, um, we had to take the requisite tour of the facilities and learn how maple syrup was produced for the, you know, By fourth grade, we had gone four times, so we all know that (laughs) part. Uh, But what we were all there for was, at the end, we went to a little hut with picnic tables and then it was all you can eat pancakes and maple syrup and i mean you can imagine a bunch of 10 year olds hopped up on maple syrup it was the best day
2: oh it's I, i've been to montreal and okay maybe we won't talk too much about quebec no no but it's such a wonderful culture of sugar shacks
3: yeah you know the cabana i think for the record i think canadian maple syrup is excellent yeah i have nothing against yeah. it yeah
2: but the cabana souk thing you know where you're actually going to celebrate a single ingredient in mm-hmm. all its uh, breath um, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. Yeah. And, you know, now, now uh, I mean, Cabana Souks used to be kind of disgusting with, like, dehydrated tuna fish. <laughs> I remember having that at a Cabana Souk once, and yeah. I just said, how does maple syrup play in this? It almost felt like a dare, but now they've become this thing of um, highlighting really wonderful maple syrup and mm-hmm. uh, all this other great product, because maple syrup is an agricultural pro- product. Mm-hmm. You know, it comes from a tree, but it's not as easy It's just sticking a tap in there. What, what right. else do you have to do to make maple?
3: Well, and the other thing, too, is it's, it's really a full environment product. It is so dependent on the soil and the water and the air and the environment around it. And I think a lot of people don't realize this because I'm guilty of it, too. We buy maple syrup from the grocery store, which is oftentimes a combination of a lot of maple syrups. But if you buy from individual producers... You'll notice that every maple syrup tastes so different uh, depending on what state it's from. Canadian maple syrup certainly tastes very different than United States maple syrup. New York maple syrup tastes very different from R- Vermont or New Hampshire maple syrup. Um, so it's just one of those products that, almost in the same way that like coffee or wine or chocolate has very regional qualities maple syrup does, too.
2: So what are your tasting notes? I mean, I'm, <laughs> you can hear me peeling away this bottle of Treesney's Mountain Maple right now.
3: Yeah, so this is, this is our plain maple syrup, and it's from the Catskill Mountains. This, um, this is actually a particularly rich maple syrup. The texture of it's a little bit thicker than more New England maple syrups. And the flavor is really, really complex. Oh yeah,
2: it's it's. I mean, it's bourbon vanilla right in your yeah, face. Yeah, a lot of people say coffee
3: yeah, or dark chocolate, yeah, like
2: barrel aged. You know, yeah. the, I, I I'm kind of thinking about coffee drinks. You know, like yeah.
3: caramel macchiatos, and, uh-huh. or just a nice coffee. It's yeah, great. Yeah.
2: yeah, Oh, that's wonderful. Do I just glug yeah, straight out of yeah. it? How much maple syrup do you drink a day? A lot. Yeah. yeah. Is it restorative? Is there a health <laughs> aspect to it as well?
3: Well, because it is, it's maple syrup and honey are the only two actual natural sweeteners. So unlike sugar, you are getting a lot of vitamins and minerals that are naturally just from the tree. Yeah. But like anything, it is a sugar too. So. Yeah.
2: But it's not... You know, it's funny. When you taste those other non-real maple syrups, they're so cloyingly sweet. Mm-hmm. And they they coat your mouth in such a way that you really can't taste anything but that. But this is making me, you know, salivate. Not yeah. only want more maple syrup, but it's kind of awakening the palate as if it had natural acidity to it. Yeah, um, What is it? Is it the minerality? Is it, you know, something about it being a natural product that... Uh, um, affects your 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 tongue or your taste buds yeah i mean
3: what you're tasting is the liquid of the tree it's like biting into an apple like a real fresh pressed apple juice tastes different than a commercially produced apple juice yeah it's the same way it's the product of the plant which is its sap and that's that's really what the flavor is it's that tree that you're tasting that sounds so crunchy. I'm embarrassed that no, I no, that. No, I just no, 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 not at but all. That's I mean, really what y- it
2: is. That, you need that. Um, allegory towards you know the apple. Um, you know, again, to realize that it is such a precious thing. It, it has such a short season as well. I mm-hmm. mean, I think what one to two months
3: max. Not of even. Yeah. Usually, it's like two, maybe three weeks if you're lucky. It's really. It, but this year, the weather has been so weird. They had a run in late January. And then, and they even had the possibility of doing a run, like at some point in December the weather was right, but they kept the taps closed, hoping that another better time would come along. So they opened them in January for a quick run, and then um, it's looking like not this weekend, but next weekend's going to be kind of the big start and then there will be a stretch of days hopefully where it'll be good conditions so. so
2: you're like on call you, yeah you're do you have a maple pager i feel like any any time of day that thing can go buzzing off i can off just and you sense to, it in yeah. my bones <laughs> just wake up in the middle of the night in a panic it's ready yeah <laughs> what does that look like i mean i've seen uh, um you know, sugar shacks mm-hmm. that have the maples attached to them and all those tubes flowing in. Yep. You just see it dripping into cauldrons, which then get boiled down. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what does, however many trees uh, there are in Gramsville, what yeah. does that scene look like?
3: So our, our suppliers, Catskill Mountain Sugar House in Gramsville, they own um, five properties with 65,000 maple trees spread out on the properties. Um they they are one of or descended from one of the original settlers of the Catskills and the family started out as tanners um but then a couple genera- generations later became maple syrup producers uh so they really know what they're doing but it's a really cool system because it's all gravity so at the top of the mountain the tubes start so each tree has a tap And then each tap has a tube attached to it. And then kind of like an artery system, those tubes flow into a larger tube and then those tubes flow into a larger tube, but it's all also going downhill. So it all just naturally flows. And then at the bottom, there's a sugar shack with a huge tank and then they have one main processing house. So trucks drive to each of the sugar houses each day and suck the sap out of those tanks bring it back to the main house, pour it in, and then it goes through the boiling process in the house. And it's just, I mean, it smells incredible. Yeah. Everybody should go visit a maple syrup farm sometime in their life because you just leave... Smelling like delicious maple sugar. Yeah, smoke. I mean, I do, it's and great. I only took a glug. But
2: like, I missed my mouth a little bit. But is, <laughs> is it dangerous being up there during maple season? I don't mean, like, you know, th- there are bandits or anything, but <laughs> I-, I know in Napa and Sonoma there are tons of wine trucks, you know, during Crush and Harvest that uh-huh. just make it bonkers. Is it is it a scene? I mean, are you seeing a lot of people actively, um, could we call it mapling?
3: Yeah, there's a couple... Right in that general vicinity. But because property lines are so clear, it's, you know, each operation is kind of on their own thing. Yeah. Um, And certainly separated enough that there's no disagreement over whose tree is whose. And uh, no, I mean, it's actually, it's for the kind of delicate start and end to it. Like, you can't really plan on this date, we're suddenly going to need to. Quintuple our staff until this date. Mm -hmm. It's amazing how organized they're able to be with it, and they just pull in. I mean, you know, a lot of the, as with any rural rural area, it's you know, hospital and prisons are kind of the big employers in the area. So they just pull in all these prison guards that come up and help. And, um, but all these people have been doing it, yeah, for long chunks of time. So they know exactly what their job is and. It's great. It's really cool to watch. It's
2: funny. In my head, uh, I have this picture of a prison guard after working for, you know, someone doing their maple stuff mm-hmm. and going back there and getting teased for smelling <laughs> sweet like sap. <laughs> That's just my wa- mind wandering. Um, you know, it's funny. I've seen a couple, like, products come out of maple that aren't, well, are maple but aren't, uh, you know, syrup on the table. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of maple water in the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Um which is huge in South Korea. I, I always forget what it's called. I think it's a grosso. Um, but oh, they drink so much like maple sap uh-huh. in South Korea, and it, it's not here. Why do we prize you know, the sweeter, um, much more arduous end to maple? Mm-hmm.
3: I don't know. There's probably an answer about historic difficulty getting sugar imported or mm-hmm. something like that. I think it really was used as a sweetener for a long time, not as a condiment or a topper. It was an ingredient. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of, in pretty much any, like, quote-unquote traditional New England recipe, it's either molasses or maple syrup as a sweetener. Like, real historical recipes don't use sugar at all. Yeah. So I think that's probably where it all started, was just as, as something to sweeten breads or cakes or something.
2: Yeah, well, we're going to explore that in a sec. We're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about this amazing new short stack editions uh, cookbook you wrote all about Maple, but also a little bit Shania Twait, celebrity uh, psychics, <laughs> and the Metropolitan uh, Opera. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. Purple.
1: sigmatic is a superfood company started by a group of Finnish fun guys who got sick of using mushroom supplements that didn't work. The company wants to help popularize mushrooms like chaga, reishi, cordyceps, and lion's mane with products like mushroom coffee and hot cocoa. The company was started in 2012 and launched its products here in the US in 2015. Here in the studio, we have been loving their products. I drink the mushroom coffee with cordyceps and Aaron loves their mushroom hot chocolate mix. So rethink mushrooms and check out foursigma.com today.
2: Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell here again with Casey Alsace of Bushwick Kitchen. Um, let's talk about the products, because we were just rapping about how you're not just a maple guy. You are actually, and still are, a honey-first company. Yeah. Um, how How did you start with honey and move into maple?
3: So... The whole business started as a 30-day experiment between my friend Morgan and I. And um, where the impulse began was I had been making my own hot sauce for a long time. Um, And we figured in 30 days a condiment was going to be the most deliverable thing in a month. Um, But certainly hot sauce is a pretty crowded category and not... Even though it was only an experiment, we were taking it as seriously as if we were starting a business, which we ultimately ended up doing. Yeah. <laughs> Two um, years later, you right, know, yeah. that, that little Here we nudge. Are. <laughs> um, so the next idea was uh, playing around with the idea of what could be a hot sauce or what could be spicy. And we actually came up with the idea of spicy honey and spicy maple syrup. And our initial plan was to do them as a duo. And luckily, the best advice we got early on was a friend of ours who we told that to, and he just said, simplify, don't do two products, pick one of those, start there. And uh, because Spicy Honey had already sort of been around, and it, wasn't, it hadn't really blown up yet, but it was sort of there, we figured that would be a great place to start. So, I mean, it's funny to hear you call me the maple syrup guy because most of my friends think of me as the honey guy since that was for a year, our first product before the maple syrup even came out.
2: I mean, so what's your next sweetener?
3: Uh, We're going to stick with the honey and the maple syrup. So we just launched, we had treasony spicy maple last year. We launched that. And then in time with the cookbook, we launched the two other maple syrups that are here, mountain maple and cinnamon maple. And then next month, we're going to launch two more honeys. And then we also have a Gochujang Sriracha, Weak Knees. And so we'll have two more Weak Knees hot sauces this year, too.
2: Yeah, so many knees.
3: Yeah, yeah. I know we keep meaning to get away from it, but then we keep thinking of more cute names with knees in yeah, them. So. Yeah,
2: yeah. Rhymes well. It's not Orange, <laughs> Month, or Purple, where they're,
3: they're, you know, uh, uh,
2: there's nothing to rhyme with. But yeah. You've, you've picked a good uh, a good thing. Um, this Short Stack Editions Cookbook. I mean, I'm already a huge fan of what they do, but... Um, how wonderfully streamlined uh, this maple syrup one is, Uh, starting from such a stupid, amazing recipe, the maple poached eggs. Oh, thanks. I mean, just, I've I've never thought of that. And, you know, sometimes I love that kind of protein in the morning, Mm -hmm. but I do want some sweetness. And I've always found it kind of odd to pour maple on top of just scrambled eggs. But
3: what does poaching... We divide there, because I love the taste of maple syrup on eggs. Yeah. To me, it was, you know, when I was little, it was ideally a pancake next to a sunny side-up egg with maple syrup on everything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I I, I was always a partitioner. Um, Well, I mean, I want to talk about another dish before we even get into the recipes. Um, Sugar on snow Mm -hmm. uh, is one of my favorite things, and I was so happy to see it in the book, but explain yeah. to me, do you
3: have those in New York where you grew up?
2: It was a Montreal thing going okay. up there, yeah. having a tier de yep. you know, uh, yep. Yep. but I- explain to me, um, your experiences with your sugar on snow. Suburbs. Yeah.
3: So sugar on snow is a very, that version of it is a very new England tradition. And it happens, um, during sugaring season. So usually late February, early March, I'm actually going up to one in Vermont. Um, Not this weekend, but next weekend. Um, But they're always held in community halls, firehouses, VFW halls, usually for a fundraiser for something. And it starts out with the traditional New England spread of, you know franks and beans and brown bed or ham and potato salad and squishy dinner rolls all that kind of you, mean, weird. you make
2: that sound so appetizing <laughs> you
3: know it's a thing it, it's kind of gross but yeah. kind of delicious too. Yeah. um but then the main event is the sugar on snow and so you're presented with a tray that has a plate of snow a cup of hot maple syrup a plain donut and a cup of dill pickles and the idea is you pour the maple syrup over the snow and as soon as the hot maple syrup touches the cold snow, it turns into this really wonderful taffy. And my personal favorite... Well, two of my tricks. I like to do a circular pour so then I can just rest it right on top of the donut and do it <laughs> that way. And then my other favorite is digging a little hole in the snow with my index finger and filling that and then sticking a toothpick in it. Yes. And then you get a little maple syrup lollipop. Yeah, yeah. And then... The weird but great part is those dill pickles just really clear your palate, unstick your teeth, and then you're ready for your next round of sugar.
2: That's ingenious. No, I mean, I've I've always done it with a tongue depressor, and you kind of just do it in a streak, mm-hmm. and then you roll it up on that tongue depressor. Yeah, that's and another way. Eat it for the day, like kind of kind of suck on it, kind of chew. It just yep. would get lodged between your teeth. Right, yeah. If, if I'd only known yeah, about... Yeah, your molars the, always get stuck yeah, together. If I'd only known about the, um, you know... Pickle antidote. Yeah, it just I, I dissolves it right away. could have away. released. But, I mean, again, I was so happy to see that. Um, and then you just mentioned, I've never been a fan of baked beans. But I could be interested in maple and root beer baked <laughs>
3: beans. I love baked beans. I mean, you can't be from the Boston area and not enjoy baked beans. Yeah. And uh, everyone has their own twist. I say in the book, you know, there's the ketchup camp, the tomato paste, and the neither. Um, every mom in New England has an idea of how the onion should be treated in baked beans some people just quarter them and leave them in their hole some people do rings I prefer a finer chop on mine um but yeah just that smell of like a pot of baked beans in the oven all day that's that's a real nostalgic thing for me
2: yeah I mean I've been to plenty of bean pot tournaments in, uh-huh. in Boston but i I just never got into it because I felt like I don't think I've ever tasted maple and baked beans. Mm. It's always been that almost chalky, you know, brown sugar. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, molasses heavy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And and it just didn't have that viscosity, you know, that I wanted. And it was probably one of the ketchup camp ones, which <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so sure about. Yeah. So again, th- this is more so for me.
3: Mine's a little bit more soupy than others They're you've ye- probably had. It's not, the sauce for it isn't so, mm, it's not so sugary. And yeah. so it sort of is a thinner, more watery sauce, which is how I prefer it.
2: Yes. No, I mean, we're seeing that eye on in yeah. this. I'm very happy that you're here because you're changing my maple life. <laughs> um, you know, another New England thing is, I mean, how damn you screw up the lobster roll, but how intrigued I am <laughs> to talk about maple poach.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's The lobster roll is uh, maybe even more delicate than baked beans to fool around with, but... Um, To me, I just view it as the best of New England surf, the lobster, and the best of New England turf, the maple syrup. And just those two meeting together. And surprisingly, I mean, maybe it doesn't seem like they'd be happy companions, but they actually work really, really well together. Yeah. Yeah, they're just so different that somehow they meet in the middle there.
2: I like two things that aren't so different that being Guinness and whiskey. Mm-hmm. and yes, meeting, my two favorite things. <laughs> meeting uh, with maple. I could just mm-hmm. see that happening at a bar. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just love to see that, what is that word, anthropomorphically, you know, played out. Yeah. Um, talk to me about these scones.
3: Yeah. And maple well, whiskey butter. So my um, John and Maggie Condon came over from Ireland in the early 1900s. So I get my love of whiskey and Guinness, specifically Jameson and Guinness, very honestly. And uh, I've always struggled because it's not appropriate to have those things with breakfast. And so I figured these scones... You just not hanging out with the right people. Well, I mean, we're on the radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we're also not FCC regulated. And though <laughs> that true. means you can cuss, I also feel like you can throw those ideas out there and be accepted. <laughs> this
3: is a safe place. So once in a while, it's okay to have it with breakfast. But I felt like this was a, a, a good way to incorporate those flavors. And uh, actually, I have to say the maple whiskey butter is great, but... The trickiest part about making that is the buttermilk with the maple and whiskey in it is so drinkable, it's Mm -hmm. almost hard to pour it into the scone batter. Yeah. That was a hard part.
2: So, I mean, do you just take shots sometimes? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Maple and whiskey together just tastes wonderful.
2: I I mean, do you see yourself going as far as putting a line out of maple whiskey uh, drinks? No. I I mean, I know you have the Maple Alexander in the book. Yeah. That, again, is another genius way to, um, if you're not a nog person, you know, yeah. drink warm cream during uh, the well, and Well,
3: an eggnog is, it's hard to make. I yeah. talk about in the book how every year my boyfriend and I have a Christmas tree yeah. party. And he always swears and sweats and, you know, whipping the whites and the yolks. And a Mabel Alexander is so much easier to make. Yeah. And just as good. I mean, it still has that creamy christmasy kind of feeling to it but without all the trouble of whipping your eggs and combining three different types of milk or whatever
2: let's talk about a little more trouble and that is um poutine because mm-hmm. i feel like the only times i've ever really had poutine i i was deep in it mm-hmm. uh you know late nights in montreal oh yeah um i've you know the exodus not exodus but the, the amount of quebecois food that has invaded new york in the last couple uh maybe in the last decade, Mm -hmm. what makes your poutine so special?
3: Well, so what I've heard from friends who tested this recipe was that the maple bacon on top was really the game changer for them big time. But also, there is a very specific way to make french fries for poutine, and that's cold oil. And that's, I mean, that's how I make French fries all the time, because it's the easiest and best way to do it. But what it gives you is a really crispy, crispy French fry. So then when you put the gravy on top, it soaks in, but those fries still stay pretty crisp and really, like, take in that liquid of the gravy. But then on top, there's a maple candied bacon, which has some mustard in it, so it has the kind of acidic and a sweet with the smoky bacon flavor. Plus the cheese curds, plus the gravy, plus the french fries. It's like the ultimate drunk
2: snack. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you wrote this book, or you are a maple connoisseur, um, putting these recipes together, not just like, oh, I'm creative, I'm a good cook. It's like, no, I really do want maple all the time, and you have to figure out how to put it in every recipe.
3: Yeah. Well, more recipes didn't make the book than made the book. Yeah. And my mistake in the first round that I gave to friends to test out was I realized that maple wasn't The forward flavor in a lot of those Mm -hmm. recipes and that was once i figured out that adjustment then it became very simple to think like these ones really push not not necessarily that it tastes like maple syrup but that you get the maple syrup flavor in new and interesting ways where you haven't considered maple syrup might be a no, flavor No, I agree.
2: And maple miso. Um, mm-hmm. I love miso. And it does have, like, akamiso, miso, the red stuff, has an inherent yep. sweetness to it. But it has so much glutamic acid. Mm-hmm. You know, you need uh, something sweet to mellow it out. Yeah. And this is just such a wonderful vehicle, you know, for maple.
3: Yeah. Yeah, and I also have um a recipe for a dressing for a maple vinaigrette on, on some wilted greens. But you warm up the dressing pour it over the really bitter hearty winter greens like radicchio yeah um but i love that i love i love sweet things on their own but i love sweet things more when there's a really conflicting flavor with them because i think it just makes both of those flavors so much more interesting and that's really where my head was through a lot of the book like what would clash in a way that it actually is harmonious with maple syrup
2: i feel like uh, um a big clash is those who love potato donuts and those who mm-hmm. don't mm-hmm. um or haven't tried them, yeah which true. isn't their fault yeah and the first time it's kind of like Yankees Red Sox you <laughs> know and the first time i had potato donuts um i didn't really understand what i was eating because mm-hmm. they do they have such to 'em to them yep. it's, not, it's not it's not it's not a potato it's not a rock in your stomach that yeah. you're eating i mean it's so warm and airy and delicious yeah and actually funny enough the one i first had had maple glaze which Uh
3: may be the most traditional or i think plain is probably the most traditional but because they're such a new england potato donuts are a real new england tradition so maple syrup's just going to show up yeah wherever you're (laughs) in new england
2: yeah i just like that idea of maple syrup again i'm um you know uh Anthropomorphically mm-hmm. making maple syrup, this person who just shows up at everything New England. Yeah. I'm just surprised there true. isn't more at Fenway.
3: It's like your drunk uh, Red Sox uncle. Yeah. <laughs> it's at every party. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
2: Um, let's talk about your products really quickly again. Bushwick Kitchen, mm-hmm. you know, the new name for Mixmade. Yep. They can go online, buy yep. these
3: bottles. BushwickKitchen.com.
2: Tons of stores around here. Yeah. Because it's, again, so weird not weird amazing that a regional product i mean such a hyper regional temporal you know a few weeks out of year product is so internationally known yeah and it's so great that we can get it everywhere because it's an expectation now it's part of i don't know it's part of the american makeup
3: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's surprising how i mean maple syrup actually is incredibly popular in southeast asia india uh and indonesia are on a real maple syrup kick right now which is so funny to me but it's funny because we as americans we take so many global influences in our food it's funny to see a native american product be embraced elsewhere
2: yeah well mountain maple cinnamon maple and spicy maple are all going to be embraced by me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on, on the uh, train ride home, I might take a glug or yeah. two. But Casey, thank you so much for being. Thank on. you very much. Such a wonderful book. Definitely check that out. Check out all his products. And uh, yeah, thank you all for listening. A big shout out to Four Sigma Foods for sponsoring. Music always by Cookies and uh, Dave in the Engineering Room. You've been listening to the Food Scene on Heritage Radio Network dot org. I'm your host Michael Harlan hill Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at three. Cheers.